All right, welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. As always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. So, um, what have I been up to? Uh, so, last night, I went down one of my many just internet rabbit holes. Typically, my internet rabbit holes involve conspiracies, JFK assassination, moon landing, uh, cryptozoology, lots of, you know, uh, the Mothman. Lots of things that, if you were to look at me, you would probably assume that are things I would... Like, if, if somebody saw me walking around Walmart, they would say, yeah, he probably knows more about Mothman than the average person. <laughs> and you would be right. Um, not necessarily something that I'm proud of, but it's reality. Um, so I kind of went a little bit of a different route last night. So last night, I was up till about 4 in the morning watching music videos from the 90s, which I do that quite often as well. Usually starts off with, um, you know, childhood favorites, Limp Biscuit, Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Nails, Corn, you know, a lot of um, a lot of music that is usually accompanied by the sound of a uh, tactical gear being <laughs> strapped on. <laughs> um, but last night, for whatever reason, I went down a George Michael uh, rabbit hole, um, and. Boy, did it make me question some things. <laughs> I mean, I think I came out the other end still heterosexual, um, which I guess, you know, is a good thing, sort of. I don't know. Um, it did, So, you know, I came out unscathed. <laughs> but it did make me realize. So I watched the George Michael Freedom video. I would say probably 15 times in a row. If you have not watched this music video, it to me is the greatest music video ever made. Like just how it's shot, how it's, you know, how it's filmed, cinematography, all this stuff. It is it is without a doubt I think the greatest music video of all time. But it's 100% got me realizing cuz oh this video, which I believe came out in 1990, 91, it's basically like the top supermodels of the early 90s in the in a music video. Naomi Campbell, Cindy Crawford, uh Linda Evangelista, I think is one of them. Like it's like you know, creme de la creme of 90s early 90s supermodels. Which, you know, I'm sure in the early 90s, people were like, God damn, George Michael's a lucky fella. <laughs> well, you know, as as we would find out later, <laughs> probably not so interested. It was probably a very boring day on set for uh, old George Michael. But for me watching, I was like, these, like, it is staggering to me how how much of a range of attractiveness like of peak attractiveness to just dog shit ugly there is in human beings. And I know where I fall in that. <laughs> and it's it's pretty far down the line, I will say. Like I I'm aware of who I am. So I don't need to hear it in the fucking comments. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I don't give a shit. But in reality, you know, I I know 
what I look like. And I know what my attractiveness level is and like how shoved down it is on the grand scheme. But I want like if I watch a music video or if I see a magazine cover, that is what I want to that's who I want to see. Like so whenever I was watching this, I was like watching this music video. I was realizing like women in the 90s were so much hotter than women today. And I know that probably doesn't mean jack shit coming from somebody uh <laughs> you know, somebody like me, but whatever, it's the truth. Like these women, like when you watch that video, you're just like, oh my God, these women are like, it doesn't make sense that they are real human beings. And like now comparing it to comparing. So you have like, yeah, like Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell, arguably two of the most attractive women who have ever existed. And like today, all we got is like fucking Margot Robbie and, and fucking Harry Styles. Like we don't have, we don't have shit compared to the early nineties. And yeah, whenever I was watching, I was like, God damn, man, it really was a different time back then. And it, it just, I mean, I'm always in a state of wishing that I didn't exist right now, that I existed way further back. Um, not that it would have mattered. It's not like I had a fucking chance of banging Naomi Campbell. <laughs> I mean, but still, like, it just, boy, did it seem like a fun time. And I'm sure George Michael was having a blast. I mean, not the same kind of blast that I was, that I'd probably be looking for, but a blast nonetheless. So, you know, I just thought I would go down, uh, give a little tale of what I've been up to in the uh, past 24 hours. So that's, that's, the, <laughs> that's that part. I guess we should move on before I uh, admit to anything worse. So uh, let's see, what do we got to talk about today? Um, oh fuck. Um, <laughs> CMT has pulled Jason Aldean's controversial. Try that in a small town video as singer defends divisive song. Um, and I guess here's the quote from old Jason Aldean. I have been accused of releasing a pro lynching song. These references are not only meritless, but dangerous. <laughs> well, um, as someone who has a decent reading comprehension level, um, you know, I, I decided to read the lyrics and try to figure out, is Jason Aldean telling the truth and that this is all just, you know, the woke agenda? Um, uh, sorry, L. <laughs> sorry, J dog, but, uh, <laughs> you fucked up. Um, <laughs> like this song is so clearly about pro lynching and I, all these people defending it who are like, no, he's not talking about fucking lynching nobody. He's just talking about protecting what's yours. Um, so Jason Aldean, uh, does not come from a small town. So we should probably get that straight first. Jason Aldean is from uh, Macon, Georgia, which I'm not, I mean, obviously ain't fucking Brooklyn, but it's pretty, pretty good sized town. It's not a town for one. It's a city, which there is a difference. Um, if you live in the, you know, bumfuck adjacent, like I did growing up, um, 
There's a difference between a town and a city. And I think it's all population-based. So, like, towns, I think, are... I think a town is anything, like, under 15,000. And a city's above that. I believe that's the number. I may be wrong about the number, but there is a... Num like a separation between a town and a city, so Jason Aldean is writing songs for these fucking dumbasses who live in you know just you know, and I probably shouldn't just generalize, but you know, until I find a fucking Nobel, <laughs> you know, a a Nobel laureate who um, is also a modern day country music fan, then you know. I'll I'll stand corrected at that point. I don't think Harvard has a lot of country music being blared out of the dorms. <laughs> it's you know that's that's more of a uh, that's more of a Bama type type thing. I mean, you go to a dorm, you go to a dorm at uh at the old house that Saban built, and you're gonna be hearing this song blasting. Um, and hey. And and every community college below the goddamn Mason Dixon line. Uh, look, the song is a hundred percent pro lynching, <laughs> and I mean, defend it all you want, dickhead. But you you made a. You, this is what happens when you try to pander to people. You end up getting you end up getting uh, scoped out, and you end up getting exposed. Hillary Clinton did it when she went on that show and said that she keeps hot sauce in her purse. <laughs> and everybody's like, you're a fucking liar. This is happening. This is going to, you know, this is the same thing's happening with this prick. Jason Aldean is not from a small town. He's from Macon, Georgia, a pretty big city, and currently lives in Nashville, Tennessee, a massive metroplex, not a small town. This motherfucker ain't hanging out in small towns. He's a millionaire who I'm sure lives in a fucking mansion. I am a I'm sure is flying first class. If he if he's not flying private, uh, oh that wasn't good. If he isn't flying private, like I'm sure, like Jason Aldean is not hanging out with poor people. Not happening. <laughs> like he's. It just, and look, and I don't blame him. I wouldn't either. If I look, I currently. I would say pretty pretty destitute in a lot in a lot of ways. If I was a mil if I had Jason Aldean's money, I would not be hanging out with poor people either. I get it. I I'm right on board with you, dude. Like you I mean, you don't got to convince me. <laughs> like I mean, if you got money and can, you know, buy cool shit, why would you go hang out in a small town and, you know, skip rocks and shit like i'd be i would be such a fucking nightmare of a human being if i had jason aldean's money so i kind of get it but also don't write songs about <laughs> don't write songs about lynching people and then film a music video at the site of a famous lynching that happened not even that long ago um like you gotta just sort of you got to know that that's what you're doing, which obviously doesn't give a shit. He's writing music for dumbass crackers who, who, you know, get their fucking panties wet over songs about lynching and protecting my small town. Like they're going to come in and try to change our small town. Like, you know what? 
most people don't give a fuck about what you're doing. You do your shit, we'll do ours. And I'm also I'm I would say somewhat in the middle cuz like it definitely grew up in, you know, a decently small place. But I like to think I don't have like small town mentality. Could be wrong about this. 100% could be wrong. But like country music just sucks so bad. <laughs> it is it is the next to like EDM country music is the worst type of music on earth. It's like it and I know like a lot of AI generated shit is coming out. Country music has sounded like it was produ- country music sounds like it's produced by a hillbilly AI. Like that it 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 fits a formula so <laughs> like to a T. It is astounding. Like all like the clichés of country music are so true. Like it is mind-boggling. I'm telling you, if you just randomly like go to like Spotify and play a random country music song, you'll be able to knock off like you'll be able to check off five of at least five of the country music tropes. Dog, truck, dirt road, beer, country, troops, God, uh, you know, ex-wife, possibly. Um, that's, that's like the, that's the elite eight of country music. Every country music song has at least five of the eight. I'll, I would say that I would put a lot of money on that. Um, Jason Aldean (laughs) just took the, uh, the, um, boy, did he, did he make it? He made a boo-boo. That's, that's really what it, what it amounts to. And, um, you know, good luck to you. You'd think you'd, you know, after having a massacre at one of your concerts, you'd probably be like slightly more pacifistic, but, um, apparently not. <laughs> apparently if somebody comes to your small town and they do some shit you don't like, you should kill those people. <laughs> That's, that is the cliff notes of a try that in a small town. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And the song's really not very good. Like, if it, you know, all things considered, the song kind of sucks. So, you know, there's that. So, I guess enough about old Jason Aldean. Let's move on. Um, (laughs) Okay, so Disney released some photos of the new Snow White and the Seven Dwarves live action um, remake. And it is causing quite the stir. Uh, especially amongst the Jason Aldean crowd. <laughs> Boy, I swear to God, it's like Disney is trying to give all of our grandparents aneurysms. Like, I mean, my granddad is like 90% blind. And it's this is like pretty much the only time I've been happy for that. And that he's probably also happy for that. And I'm not saying I'm against this. Like, do whatever the fuck you want in a movie. But if that old bastard saw what I'm seeing right now, <laughs> dude, his, I mean, he would, his eyes would roll back in his head and he would just start swinging. Like, he would turn into a goddamn shark. And everyone within a quarter mile radius would be in severe danger. <laughs> 
like so just so you know the snow white and seven dwarves remake apparently they're not putting dwarves in, or there's like one of the dwarves the dwarves aren't dwarves the dwarves are a an amalgam uh, let me slow down for a second <laughs> um the dwarves are some are dwarves some are not dwarves some are white some are not white it's just a giant mixture of people playing the seven dwarves and snow white is played by someone who is hispanic which it is so one i mean i don't give a fuck make it however you want make your goddamn dwarves you know they could be whatever i mean but snow white god damn <laughs> they're taking everything from us jesus <laughs> no this is this is incredible and i i i only like this because it pisses people off so much like the genuinely genuinely makes people so angry that disney does this shit <laughs> like i i mean like who i mean it it's it doesn't matter it's fine like you'll be okay it but it's just it's so fun it's fun to like go up to anyone so just a fun trick you could do is to go up to any white person over the age of i'd say 45 and just talk about little mermaid just say the words just say that you went and saw the little mermaid say oh yeah i saw little mermaid it was really good and just watch the fucking <laughs> the twitches in their upper lip <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they'll get the little eye eyelid flutter. Like they are seconds away from going into full cardiac arrest <laughs> with the, any mention of what Disney is up to, and I fucking love it. And look, I mean, I I know what they're doing. I know Disney is doing the Disney's obviously doing this on purpose. They don't give a fuck about. Uh, you know, diversity, equality. They don't give a shit about that. They just they just don't want to be the company that gets shit on for not being diverse. That is all they're doing. They're just like, look, we are we are murdering people at an alarming rate. <laughs> we are exploiting so many people. But we are going to make damn sure nobody thinks we're racist. <laughs> <laughs> like we we will not have that, have that notch on us um and you know doing a hell of a job <laughs> doing a hell of a job at that um just know that you are inadvertently killing off every senior citizen in the united states by doing this so you know their old dusty blood is on your hands bob Iger. all right let's move on um, but, 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 oh, oh my God. Um, all right. So <laughs> tourists are now flocking to Death Valley to experience the possible world record heat of 131 degrees, which would be setting a world record for the hottest temperature ever reliable, hottest world temperature ever reliably recorded, according to the National Weather Service. Now, looking through the pictures of the people who are touring Death Valley, Look, if you did not see this pic, don't look at the picture. I will make sure the picture is not up right now. Guess what color 
<laughs> the people are who are going to tour Death Valley to experience the 131 degree temperatures. Um, yeah, they're all white. <laughs> this is only shit. Only a white person would turn like would turn global warming into a tourist destination. <laughs> I mean, they, this is, this is not good. Like I mean, I am no climatologist by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I feel like the hottest temperature ever recorded is not good. Dude, it's so fucking hot outside right now. And I am not in, uh, anywhere near death Valley. I can't imagine 131 degrees. Look, there is no amount of money on earth that could get me to go to Death Valley to experience 131 degree temperatures. If I went, they would be breaking two world records that day. One, for hottest temperature ever recorded. Two, for the most ball sweat (laughs) ever produced by one human being. It would be disgusting. Like you would be able to, you would be able to top an entire ballpark's worth of nachos with the amount of fucking gooch cheese that you'd be scraping off of my nether region. My God, it, I mean, I mean, have fun, but Jesus Christ, a hundred and thirty-one degrees. You are out of your fucking mind. If it's over. 65 I'm <laughs> like I'm in stage one of heat stroke oh Jesus Christ like I sweat I sweat so much it is alarming I also drink at least a gallon of water a day actually by 5 p.m. I have drank a gallon and a half of water and I'm not exaggerating that amount So yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. That's a lot of um, that's a lot of heat. <laughs> that's a lot of heat for one place. But you know, good luck. Hope uh, hope for the best. Hope you find what you're looking for. All right. So last last topic before we go into some um, you know little fun bits of history. Um, so Disney's Indiana Jones 5 took in $300 million at the box office so far. A disaster for CEO Bob Iger and Lucas Films. For $300 million to be a disaster is crazy to me. Like, I guess movies cost a billion dollars to make. <laughs> like, I, I thought 300 mil was a home run. But I guess it isn't. Maybe I'm just way behind. But also, this Indiana Jones 5, I have heard, was complete. Look, okay, so I have not seen Indiana Jones and the fucking uh, dildo of destiny. Nor do I plan on seeing it. For them to be surprised that people didn't want to see an 80-year-old man pretend to be an action hero. Yeah. Like, why, how was that shocking to anyone? How in the fuck do you think people are going to want to see this? Like, nobody wanted to see the last Indiana Jones, and he was fucking 15 years younger then. 
People still didn't want to see it. Like, what makes you think people are going to want to see this now? Because you fucking CGI'd his face to make him look young for a little bit. Nobody wants to see this. If if you're going to make an Indiana Jones now, you have to just have a whole new Indiana Jones. And it would still suck because it's not Harrison Ford. But also, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen recent interviews with Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is no longer Harrison Ford. <laughs> Harrison Ford has become the old man sitting at a, you know, country kitchen cafe, you know, arguing with waiters. Like, that is who Harrison Ford has become. Harrison Ford is just a grumpy old man. And yeah, it's not believable that he can be Indiana Jones anymore. Because he, he is not actually Indiana Jones. It's like they think, <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know what the fuck they, why they do this shit. They continue to do this, but they do it. My God, fuck them. I'm like, I'm so sick of that shit of this, of the um, nostalgia train (laughs) for movies and TV of just like, like we will not come up with something new. (laughs) Like we are just going to keep bloodletting every you know beloved you know movie character story until it is just a lifeless fucking pulp so well that's that so uh, <laughs> all right time to move on talk about some shit um go through some stories from uh history entertainment it's just interesting stories that people may or may not uh, really know too much about. So, first one I'm going to talk about is Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth has been catching a lot of shit in recent years. <laughs> for, like, Babe Ruth has been catching a lot of shit for being somebody that, like, people shouldn't think was as good as he really was because he wasn't playing in today's baseball. Um, that's bullshit. Babe Ruth. Like you do one, you that's not how you compare people. You compare them based on their peers, not like oh, let's compare a baseball a baseball player from a hundred years ago to today's baseball players. That's insane. You compare them to how good were they compared to all the other people of that time. When you do that, Babe Ruth was so much better than everybody. In the MLB at the time. Babe Ruth. There was a season where Babe Ruth hit more home runs than the entire American League. Like, or, let me rephrase that. Jesus. God forbid I get one fucking fact somewhat wrong. <laughs> there was a season where Babe Ruth hit more home runs than any single American League team combined. So all the players on that team, no team in the American League hit as many home runs as one player, George Herman Ruth, I believe. Herman George, George Herman Ruth. Babe Ruth. No one, like Babe Ruth hit like 54 home runs in a season. And if you look at who, like there was a season where Babe Ruth hit 54 home runs. If you look at the, like, other top people in the top five that year, it was like nine, seven, it was like seven, nine, 11, 15, and then Babe Ruth, 54. 
Like it's, I mean, it it is uncomparable. Like you, Babe Ruth was playing basically a whole other sport back in the day. Which, all of that goes to just to say, Babe Ruth was an absolute animal. <laughs> so, I mean, when you look at pictures of Babe Ruth, you definitely aren't thinking, oh, this is one of the greatest athletes in American history. <laughs> Babe Ruth, to be honest, I kind of look like Babe Ruth. I look like a young Babe Ruth, which is not a compliment for me or for him. Trust me. But Babe Ruth was a fucking madman. So when he was like seven, got sent to an orphanage because he was like basically hell-raising so much. Babe Ruth got into his first bar fight as a child. He was seven years. So Babe Ruth was seven years old when he got into his first bar fight. Yeah. <laughs> and his parents basically just like, or his like, dad was like, yeah, I can't fucking take care of this goddamn kid. Sent him to an orphanage. He ended up being a total hell raiser in the orphanage, but that's where he like, that's where he learned about baseball, which kind of helped out baseball. Um, he also was just a massive drunk. <laughs> but I mean, Babe Ruth was typically hammered in most games and still out hitting the entire professional baseball or, you know, all of professional baseball. He was out hitting any of them, and he was usually about five sheets to the wind while doing so. Um, there was even a story that he was playing the Chicago White Sox in Chicago, was out in the bar before a game which really just shows how different Major League Sports was back in the day. He was at a bar before a game, and the White Sox bartender was – or the, um, the bartender in Chicago kept just pouring him drinks, like basically trying to get him fucked up because he was like, like it's the only way that the Yankees are going to lose to the White Sox is if Babe Ruth is too hammered to play. So Babe Ruth is just – downing just going through shots it was like something like 17 or 18 shots of alcohol <laughs> which is that's that's quite a bit goes out and still wins the game just you know fucking cranks that ball hits fucking amazing yankees win the game had zero effect on him like he basically left the bar still sober fucking wild he was such a notorious drunk that during prohibition he had gangsters like moonshiners and gangsters would come personally deliver alcohol to his house because he was such a valued customer <laughs> i mean not just because he was famous but because he was buying so much fucking alcohol from these people um so babe ruth has this long career he ends up getting uh cancer gets super sick writes this autobiography and is kind of doing like a tour to show you know to kind of help sell the bio the autobiography at one point he went to the yale university to kind of give a lecture on his biography do like a little meet and greet and all this stuff and he decided to meet the yale baseball team like, that's where he wanted to do his presentation was on the baseball field at Yale University. So he meets the baseball team, and he gives a signed copy of it to the captain of Yale baseball team. 
that captain was a young fellow named George Herbert Walker Bush, who <laughs> later became the 41st president of the United States. So, pretty fucking wild. Um, I thought that was an interesting story about Babe Ruth. Um, Jesus. So, ne- this one is... This one is fucking incredible. So, next story is about... <clears throat> I mean, arguably one of the most famous guitarists of all time. Uh, real um, fellow by the name of Slash. <laughs> so, Slash, obviously, legendary guitarist of Guns N' Roses. Um, also, an, at one point in his life, especially during the heyday of Guns N' Roses, a notorious partier. Hardcore, <laughs> hardcore drinker, drug addict. Like, dude was burning the candle at both ends, going balls to the wall 24-7. There are even, I mean, there are so many crazy stories you can find out about Slash. I'm just going to go through like a couple. So one, he was supposed to do a a show in Vegas um, and hang out with comedian legend Sam Kennison. Also a fucking wild wild person but slash ended up uh getting sick and canceled and didn't do the show sam kennison took that really uh the wrong way (laughs) and was pissed that slash canceled um and they later ended up in the hotel room together hanging out and sam kennison just like kind of went off on him and slash did not appreciate it so Slash kind of jumped him a little bit, and then as he then was like getting ready to leave, and as Slash was leaving, little Sam Kennison. Um, so Slash fucks with Sam Kennison a little bit. Slash, as he's leaving, turns his back to him. Sam Kennison jumps him from behind and starts and gets on him and starts choking him and choking him like to actually try to kill him. like slash said that he thought this was it that this is the end of me sam kennison is (laughs) is literally murdering me right now and then duff mckagan bass player for guns N' roses comes in beats the shit out of sam kennison saves slash's life and that's that um go back in time a little bit when slash was 13 he walked in to his mom's bedroom and found her having sex with David fucking Bowie. <laughs> so, yeah. Wildlife for Slash. But the one that I thought was just fucking wild is that during the 80s, Slash, high as shit, um, on just a huge bender, is in, I believe, in Arizona, staying at, um, at this, like, resort. And Slash... Uh, has taken just an insane amount of drugs and is losing his mind to the point to where he has these paranoid delusions that the predator (laughs) from the 1987 classic with Arnold Schwarzenegger, that the actual predator is out to kill him and is chasing him like legit is seeing this thing coming after him full predator. Um, So slash is running through this, you know, whole resort area, butt ass naked, probably, Top hat on the, over the you know over the penis, little cigarette hanging out of the you know the urethra. If if I'm just imagining, um, 
Sasha's running through this area, busts through the glass door of the country club and grabs one of the uh, staff workers and holds her as like a human shield, (laughs) thinking that he is about to be zapped to death by the Predator. So, yeah, (laughs) Uh, don't do drugs. My God. So there's crazy story about Slash that I thought was very interesting. The last one is a little more sad. <laughs> it's a little bit of a downer, which I probably should stop ending these on like the most depressing stories possible. But, oh well, I mean, I can't help it. So this is the story about a guy named John Brisker. So this name, I would imagine most people do not know who this is. John Brisker was a player for the ABA, the American Bas- uh, Basketball Association. The ABA, you know, there's a whole history of the ABA. It was basically the NBA's, you know, little brother that in some ways was kind of cooler than the NBA. It's where, like, Dr. J came from. Like, they had the, you know, red, white, and blue striped ball. Like, the ABA was kind of fucking cool. It's like semi-pro, Jackie Moon shit. That's pretty much the ABA. Um, the ABA ends up getting absorbed by the NBA, becomes one whole thing. Um, and so like a lot of teams today, that's what they were, you know, at one point teams of the ABA. So John Brisker was a player who played for the ABA. He, John Brisker was a psychopath. He was a hundred percent like the Latrell Spruwell of the (laughs) seventies, just choking people out, beating the shit out of people. Um, He also used to keep a gun in his locker and would, on occasion, get real angry at a teammate and threaten to go get gun out of the locker and kill teammate. And there was even a time where he got into an argument with one of his teammates, went to go get the gun out of his locker. Teammate goes to his locker, gets the gun out of his locker, and they show up on the court, guns pointed, and we're like, Oh, shit, you have a gun? <laughs> like, John Brisker was not expecting this fucker to come back with a gun. So I was like, God damn it, all right. Puts guns up, and then they just, you know, go back to, you know, doing drills. <laughs> um, so John Brisker, also a massive, massive cocaine addict. Um, actually, if you go back and look at basketball in the 70s, there is a staggering amount of cocaine use in the NBA ABA of the 70s. It is really shocking. <laughs> um, John Brisker, 100%, is one of these people. Like, just a loose cannon. So, you might be wondering, well, what happened to John Brisker? Is John Brisker still alive? What happened to um No one knows. So, John Brisker ends up getting invited by Ugandan warlord dictator Idi Amin to come visit the country of Uganda. Idi Amin was, you know, I mean, you could go down a real sad, fucked up rabbit hole on Idi Amin. Idi Amin is a monster of a human being was a monster of a human being, a big, big old bat. If you ever, if you want some sort of idea, just watch the last King of Scotland, Force Whitaker 
is Idi Amin. And it does a pretty good job at showing just how much of a complete psychopath Idi Amin was. John Brisker gets invited to come hang out with Idi Amin. <laughs> John Brisker being just so fucked up on coke and in general probably not the best um probably not the best decision maker <laughs> decides sure i'll go hang out with Idi Amin. goes to uganda and is never seen again no one knows i mean there's a ton of rumors of what happened to john brisker like you can if you want to google and try to find you can find all different kinds of things of like oh he was put in prison and died in prison or he was executed by Idi Amin or executed by just random Ugandan. Like you can find you can, or he's live is I even read like some people think he's living in Uganda still like hanging out. Like he, you know, just kind of set up a place for himself in Uganda. The most likely thing, what most people kind of draw their conclusion to is that he was killed by Idi Amin is that at some point he must have done something that Idi Amin did not like, which, with all I've read about Idi Amin, it could have been. <laughs> he could have, like, sneezed at the wrong time, and Idi Amin pulled a gun out and killed him. Like, who knows what happened? But that is the kind of consensus argument, is that he went to Uganda on, in, you know, from request by Idi Amin, was hanging out with the dictator of Uganda, did something he didn't like and was murdered for it. And well, not a whole lot you could do about that. <laughs> so let that be a message that if you are ever invited to hang out with a dictator, if you are a basketball player ever invited to hang out with the dictator of a country, <clears throat> not that that's ever happened again, but if you are, you should probably turn down the request. So, you know, that's that's that. But um, all right. So that'll do this episode. Um, you know, be sure to share with a friend, all that good stuff. Uh, subscribe. Uh, you know, uh, I am gonna release like a merch store, like open up a merch store pretty soon. Um, links will be put, you know, all over the old socials for that. So buy a fucking t-shirt, help me, you know, rise out of poverty. Um, <laughs> um, and you know, don't try that in a small town. So goodbye. <laughs>